Oscar Poker. Yeah, there you Hi. are. Hey, yeah. <laughs> How's it going, guys? I'm fine. I, I just moved into new digs. I was staying with my um, my son and his roommate uh-huh. the last the last week or so with Joey, the dog. Uh, so there's four of us in this two bedroom apartment, which is um, I thought it was a bit much. So I found a place to stay on 56th and 9th Avenue, which is where I'm talking from as we speak. So. Oh, great, great! Yeah. How exciting, huh? Yeah. It's a very, very nice uh, location, very sublime, and, uh, and all the all the really big screenings begin uh, this coming week uh, at the uh, at the New York Film Festival, um, and I'm right now grappling with the surprising news. I didn't realize this. Maybe you you did, Sasha, and I, I just missed it in the midst of all the hubbub. But there was going to be um, a showing of the first three episodes of Oliver Stone's long gestating, long in, long in production, uh, um, The Untold History of the United States that Showtime mm. is going to air. Wow, really? When? Yeah. Well, the, it was announced, uh, I, I ran a thing about it in August, about, you know, they had announced that it's going to be one of the um, uh, intrigues and attractions at the film festival. And I just saw on a summary of press screenings that is sent to me every week that uh, they're now going to show Salvador, a 25th anniversary screening, and they're not going to show the uh, Oliver Stone thing. Uh, so I'm completely uh, don't know what happened. So, but I thought maybe you might have read that it was pulled, but you apparently were, did not read that, right? No, I didn't. I'm too busy with my head up Twitter's ass. I don't. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm doing every, everything you are. You know, I'm just kind of trying to. I never heard I a can, thing. And I, I didn't see it. Oh well. All right. So you want to jump right into what happened this weekend, Phil? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Um, So we had the uh, the back and forth uh, between uh, uh, the the second week of uh, of Lion King and the debut of uh, Moneyball and a third film that was in contention that for some reason is slipping my mind as we speak. So how did it all shake out finally? Uh, Well, Lion King 3D repeated. Oh no! Really? Oh. <laughs> yeah, twenty twenty-two point one million is the estimate right now. Uh, Moneyball's at twenty point six, which is excellent. Um, this thing's a, a hit, one hundred percent. Yeah, uh, uh, everything is positive for this movie. Ninety-one um, percent approval rating from people on Flickster. Uh, A's across the board, men and women on Cinema Score. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, this is what happens when you put Brad Pitt in a sports movie. You get a pretty good balance of male and female moviegoers because the split's only fifty-one percent male, forty-nine percent female. So that's huh. incredibly good for a sports mm-hmm. movie. Right. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, it's this is going to hold on. You know, all the word of mouth is great. So, you know, you're looking at a four multiplier. I I think so. You're you're looking at something like at least eighty million for this thing. I think. Um, so yeah, one hundred percent a success. So uh, I also I read a uh, estimate on Nikki Fink's column that it might even be. She said possibly even a five multiplier. Yeah, look, I, w- I wouldn't rule it out. What's a five all. multiplier? Well, the, a very good, uh, healthy uh, uh, performance for a film is to triple its opening weekend. So that would be a three multiplier. In other words, it opens at $20 million, mm-hmm. It ends up at the end of the road with 60 A four multiplier would obviously be 80 and a five multiplier would be 100 Hmm. Hmm. Boy, did I call that one wrong. <laughs> oh, well. What do you mean? What did you call well, it Well, I thought... I mean, when I saw it, I thought, wow, this is really going to be, this going to open at number one. It's going to make way more than $100 million. It's going to do really, really well. You know, it just was my take on it when I first saw it. But um, I think it's going to... What do I know about box office? I, but well, I, I would only ask uh, Phil if uh, if Social Network, which is a uh, um, uh, less of a uh, not as warm an experience as Moneyball, uh, uh, there's a there's an exaltation element in Moneyball that comes uh, in at different points in the film, and there's the sexy element with Brad Pitt. So why would that movie um, um, yeah, not do as well as Social Network, which ended up around what 97 or something like that? Yeah, it fell just shy of it. I mean. Yeah, look, it's like like I always say, it's really hard to predict legs because you know, a couple movies can come along during the rest of the fall season and really chip away at Moneyball's audience. You know, mm. if if Ides of March opens and and it exceeds expectations, that's going to dip into it because it's also important to note that um, this thing is skewing older. It's sixty four percent, thirty five and up went to see it this weekend. So, um, you know. Ides of March obviously is in direct competition with it, and mm-hmm. that that can hurt it. So yeah, but I mean, look, I'm I'm not going to be surprised if it hits 100 million. Um, I also don't think it is uplifting in a way, but it's also how do I explain it? It's quietly uplifting, and you know they don't yeah. win the big game in the end. It's not a a huge you know f- fireworks kind of ending. I mean, yeah, they hit, they hit the 20 game win streak, but. After that, they, you know, lose in the playoffs, and, and then that's it. Yeah. You know, and, and he has this quiet moment where he's listening to his daughter, you know, right. playing an acoustic guitar. It's but not that a, was very, that was a very fulfilling ending, mm. I thought. That was, that was really just right. It didn't, uh, it, it was, um, it delivered a, a really nice kind of ser- moment of serenity and, 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 and happiness in a way. But without uh, addressing the, you know, the baseball thing. It it makes a difference who you see it with. Like when I saw it, I saw it at a packed screening at the Grove and everybody was really with the movie. So they were laughing at everything, even like Spike Jones cameo and, you know, (laughs) they were laughing at at all that stuff. And then I went and I saw it yesterday. I took my daughter to see it in in, um, Van Nuys at some theater that, you know, no one ever goes to. and, Mm -hmm. And it's exactly as Phil said. It was packed with like, you know, older people. And they laughed, and they were with it all the way. I could hear them, like, when... I don't want to give away the spoiler, but there's a part at the end where he shows them a video, and, um, you know, the whole audience just kind of reacted to that. Like, they all were with the movie the whole way, and they... I took my daughter, and she was she had a hard time focusing on it, like, because cause it, is, it is a movie I noticed the second time through. The first time, I was totally with it, and I thought, wow, this is so great. But the second time, it's as, as good, if not better, of a movie the second time through, but you do have to be sitting up and paying attention, you know? It's not a movie that totally carries you away 
and you can numb out. But again, it reminded me a lot of the King's speech that way, you know, because the King's speech is a movie that bored my daughter to tears, you know. Hmm. Um, but if you're with it and you're paying attention to it and you follow the characters all the way through, you get the payoff at the end. And it's the same with Moneyball. It, it, the whole thing about it is it's, it's all about Billy Bean, you know, and his character. And if you're with him and you're with the story, it's just so beautifully directed. I can't, I just can't even say enough good things as about I, it. As I was saying to Bennett Miller in my little chat with him last Wednesday in the, at the Sony offices, the final uh, sort of, to me, the big payoff scene before the, the, the moment with his listening to his daughter's music is the scene with Arliss Howard in Boston sitting in the uh, executive stands uh, overlooking Fenway Park. Mm. And what Arliss Howard does is summarize why there's been so much resistance and he underlines the uh, the, the meaning of, of Billy uh, Bean's uh, what he considers a triumphant season of having mm-hmm. uh, brought his team that close to the you know with so little money and so on and explains how you know the people in power that are used to doing things that their way a certain way a traditional way uh, get very upset in fact they get angry uh, and threatened uh, when someone comes along and that's a you know it just it's the same uh, function as William Hopper this is uh, an old reference but in the old Perry Mason series at the end of every series they'd have William Hopper asking Perry so Perry explain to me what really happened now how did this go you know and Perry Mason would explain the whole thing that's what the Arliss Howard uh, moment does. It just reiterates. For those of you who didn't quite get what's been happening to this whole movie, here's what happened. Yeah. Right? Well, no, it, it, yeah, I mean, it. So that didn't get your daughter, that scene, the Arliss Howard scene? She just, she's not the right, as she said, and we kind of argued about it afterwards. She got really mad at me because she said, I'm not, you know, this isn't my kind of movie. And I said, Emma, there is no your kind of movie. There are good movies and bad movies. Yeah. You know, that's not a, you know, I could walk into a, a dumb Twilight movie and if it's a good movie, I'm going to say it's a good movie. I'm not going to say it's not my kind of movie. You know, right. don't shut off yourself that way. Always try to see movies as movies and they're, they're good or they're bad. You know, and she's and she's like, it wasn't a bad movie. I just didn't, you know, I, it was too, she doesn't understand anything about baseball. She doesn't even know the game at all. And so, mm-hmm. but I think she liked Brad Pitt. She was with his character. She understood the the highs and lows of the drama of it. But her contacts were bothering her, so she couldn't really see the screen. And so there were things. And I said, I promise you, Emma, in ten years, you will love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it, to me, it's one of these really good movies that comes along. It's it's sort of inexplicable why it's so good. It just works. It's it's accidentally good because there's so many writers on it and so much. Turmoil behind the production. It's like mm-hmm. Casablanca that way. Like it just happened, and it's a great movie, and it's mm-hmm. going to take people a while to come and realize that because the marketing wasn't very good in the beginning. The title is kind of weird, and the coloring mm-hmm. of the ads is off-putting. I think that weird green, and it's Why? just Brad it's just Pitt. The green, of the, the green of the grass on a baseball field. Why is that? Off-putting? Well, because if I was going to be advertising Moneyball, the Moneyball that I saw. I wouldn't make mm-hmm. it Brad Pitt looking over his shoulder with green. That wouldn't be the way I would sell this movie at all. It so, worked. I mean, it worked. You know, yeah, there, there's. Yeah. I mean, there's no other way to look at this weekend as a as a huge success. I mean, yeah, look, it didn't beat Lion King. Okay, you but know. shouldn't it have beat Lion King though? No, there's a lot no, of. Kids I mean, you have to look at it as. Yeah, yeah Lion King is weekend. the f- whole family. You're dealing with you know four people going to see a movie instead of two. That's that's the way you kind of have to look at it. Hmm. Um, you know, but if, uh, the average family. 
Um, so yeah, no, this is this is one hundred percent. You can you can for some for a movie like this that doesn't you know baby its audience doesn't you know right is doesn't shamelessly go for emotional heart you know tugging and, or anything like that right. and, and treats its audience with respect and and says okay you're intelligent you're smart we know you can get this for it to open at twenty point six million is a is a huge accomplishment and you know we, weekends like this I'm very happy oh. <laughs> to, you know to be doing what I'm doing so Phil uh, what did you think of it you went, said you went and saw it with your dad. Yeah, yeah, and he loved it. Um, and you know, he does not—he doesn't go out to the movies that much anymore. Mm. Um, you know, and it's—and and the audience was with it. You know, we went to like a—it um, was like a twelve forty-five show. So you get, you know, you know, clearly a bunch of you know retired people. You know, just people who have nothing else to do during the day. Um, and it, it was, you know, for that time, it was reasonably packed. And yeah, they went with it, but the air did go out of the room a bit when. Um, you know, they because it didn't have, like I said, the big kind of emotional punch of an ending where they they win the World Series. You know, right, and I think right. some people are going to be a little bit turned off by that, but not enough to walk out of the movie and say that they hated it. But mm. it, 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 that's what keeps it from being an even bigger hit, I think. You know, but, words, yeah, I the, loved it. There, there's a certain type of, uh, of moviegoer that, despite that big win. Uh, finale uh, in innumerable sports movies in the past. They, they, uh, and they will never get sick of it. They want that thing that other sport movies have delivered, and uh, somehow they are able to respond to it with genuine enthusiasm. They genuinely like it. It makes them feel good. It's satisfying. I don't understand what they're talking about. I don't say how, how can you watch those movies over and over and over again. Um, you know, Field of Dreams was was a wonderful baseball movie because that didn't depend upon a win. Um, you know, Friday Night Lights, no win, still a wonderful movie. Um, well, Bull Durham just, also. Know. Bull Durham's the same way. I mean, the best baseball movies are about failed baseball players, I think, and that's why Moneyball is so brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I still get chills and I smile whenever I think of Moneyball's ending. It just makes me smile because that song, just enjoy the show. You're such a loser, dad. You're such a loser, dad. You know, it's just, it's like, wow, you know, what a great way to end a movie. What a beautiful message to send to people, you know, just. That you're such a loser? No, that just enjoy the show, man. It's not oh. about whether you win or lose. Just enjoy it. Enjoy I'm, I'm every. I'm not moment. remembering this particularly. You're saying that his daughter said in the recording that she sent him on the CD, mm -hmm. "You're such a loser, Dad." In a sweet, cutie way, though. In a cute way, she sings. You know, just enjoy the show. You're such a loser, Dad. You're such a loser, Dad. And he's smiling. And I mean, it's just it's beautiful the way that they do okay. it. Just enjoy the show, and then it ends. I mean, it's just really. I wasn't sweet. even listening to the lyrics. And it does teach you. Oh, well, dude, that's the whole reason it's in there, <laughs> I didn't man. Care. I mean, it was just you know, it was just her singing. I, I was f oh, focusing on the photography again. and his and his uh, eyes. No, no. After the out. screen goes black, it's when you hear her say that. But oh, yeah, um, and the timing of it's great because it's you know the the uh, the text is that he never you know won the World Series. Exactly. Like yeah. 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 It's it's really well timed. Really yeah. beautifully timed, and and. I can always tell when an audience loves a movie because it, it, in the valley or whatever, you, you can't count screenings because those are like, you know, a whole different animal. But they were all sitting in their seats. You know, my daughter was like, let's go. <laughs> so she made me stand up. I would have sat through the whole thing and listened to the music and watched the credits and everybody was in their seat mm -hmm. watching, right. you know. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I was pretty amazed by that. Yeah. So, uh, so Sasha, why don't we just um, uh, talk a, a little bit um, about uh, why the um, 
the 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 smarty pants uh, journalist crowd is like going well i don't know this is best picture material what what is that about what well, are they th- what are they saying you i was going to say before we i mean is there anything else we need to talk about box office wise before we start oh. talking about oscar yeah 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 well, yeah we should i'm sorry um, go ahead phil do do you want to do a weekend uh, what's coming up next weekend yeah absolutely okay sure. um yeah well 5050 is is and and dream house are the the big things next weekend um I don't do know about think, 50 50. Mm, I really don't. He's 50 50 on it. Why do you, why do you uh, <laughs> say right away you don't think so? Because people are going to automatically go, I don't want to do a cancer movie. Is that it? That's that, why it's not going to happen. I, uh, I, you know, I, I, I try to avoid this, but I was at a convention last week and I saw it and I'm not a fan. And that's kind of like poisoning my opinion of it. But I, I just don't think there's something about it that doesn't click. And yeah, I don't think people are going to be. I don't know. It's. I think people really want uplift right now. That's why you know something like Dolphin Tail did really well this weekend, and that's why Moneyball is going to do really well. Oh God, um, you, you hit it on I the head there. Think people yeah. are in the mood for even. I mean, even though fifty fifty. Well, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's not a downer. Um, even though that's the case, a lot of it still is. You know, it's tough to grapple with. Um, but I don't. I don't think people are in the mood for that right now. To, to be completely honest, so I'm kind well, of lowering what, my let's, expectations let's, on it. Let's ask ourselves, um, when would an audience theoretically be in the mood for a, uh, what I think is a really honest and, uh, and, 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 ple- and very pleasing film uh, that tells an honest story about a guy dealing with a, with a, with a debilitating situation. Why is it, when would they be in the in, in mood for it? I mean, who's going to generically be into uh, a guy coping with cancer movie? When, you know, I happen? almost think it's... It, d- it depends a lot on the cast. I think you need, and I, d- I don't think Joseph Gordon-Levin and Seth Rogen are necessarily the right people to to open a movie about cancer. Um, <laughs> you know, if you look, if you look at the the movies that have That's been right. successful about cancer, it's you know, people that are, I don't know, have much more clout than they did. You know, Julia Roberts, Susan Sarandon, you know, Shirley MacLaine, you know, th- those people are much bigger more trust everything like that when people look at seth rogan and joseph gordon levitt they they say cancer movie uh, really they're they're doing that you know i don't know it's just and and i think the seth rogan stoner stick has really worn its welcome i mean he needs to uh, i don't know move on or, or do something but it just doesn't work here so i don't know but, could be but he's the he his whole uh, personality and his response his friendship with Joseph Gordon-Levitt that's the entire uh, that's why he's in that movie because they want the, the the spirit of that of that kind of jocular humor that he brings to the situation without that it would be a fairly glum film no sure yeah no, I, I don't you know I understand what they're going for there and and the character does work and it has like a decent emotional payoff. I'm just sick of seeing Seth Rogen doing the stoner stick. <laughs> that's that's I it. it. Okay. I mean, it's like he's right. just played it to death. So, <laughs> so that's that's my take on it. I, I know you are a fan of it, Jeff, but I just, I mean, I and, you know, and it's also, I mean, I'm probably the the same age or close to it as the the character in the movie. And for me, it, it didn't really ring true the, the way he reacted to a lot of it. I mean, you Who know, reacted. It, Joseph Gordon Levin, yeah, just a lot of his, I don't know, I, I just didn't buy it uh, for me personally. I mean, I don't know that, that that's how I would react to it, and I don't know that that's how, you know, my friends would react to it. Um, well, what, he wasn't angry enough, he wasn't placid enough, what was it that was dishonest or, uh, you know, didn't feel real to you? It's hard to point to one scene, it's just overall his his general mood about it, and, and 
Which is know. what? How would you describe it? Uh, his re response to this disease thing is, how would you describe his response to it? Well, I'm just he, getting, trying to get an idea. Yeah, no, he was. I, I guess I didn't buy like. I know. I know that you would go through emotional roller coaster if, if that happened to you. You know, sure. Um, but I didn't. But he, and, and part of this is Joseph Gordon-Levitt because he also irritates me too. I mean, he overacts every single scene and he just plays it up. And I, I didn't buy the transition from one scene to the other. So you know, one scene he's really morose, and then the next he's really angry, and then the next he's laughing. And I, I just didn't buy it. It, it. it was just too all over the place. Um, yeah, for me. But, and, but is, yeah. isn't that likely, though, that you would be, as you say, roller coaster? I would imagine that you would feel uh, maybe uh, a surge of elation when you think, uh, maybe feel a breakthrough moment, maybe feel very depressed at some other moments. I thought it was kind of honest. I thought that was, you know, I, I, I bought it. I didn't think it was a problem. Anyway. Well, I no, I, I think they were right to do it that way, but I think they didn't sell it properly. And, and part of it, again, is because I just don't like. Joseph Gordon-Levitt as an actor, um, and that's it. I, I, I'm not a, just not a fan of him. So this is a movie that was ruined by me. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I just don't like the two leads. So that's you know, that's a problem. I mean, for people that like both those guys and don't have a problem with Seth Rogen doing stoner stuff, then yeah, they're, they're gonna love it. But to me, I'm just, it just was like, nah. So. Now, Sasha, you've been strangely silent during this. I chat. haven't that, seen it, haven't... and I feel really guilty about it. I've been, you know, I got so many screener in invites, and I haven't, I haven't seen it. So, I, I think I'm going to be more on Phil's camp, though. But I, you know, I hate to just make a snap judgment like that without seeing it. Who knows? I'm such a sap, you know. If it's if it's sad and moving, I'll love it. So I'm sure. It's not. It's not terrifically sad. It's honest, and it feels real to me. And it's. A, I've never seen a movie about a 28 year old guy going through this. Mm. And uh, and I was delighted since they have been suggesting in the trailers uh, that there's a kind of a spunky, uh, jaunty. Um, humorous, you know, that's almost a comedy or kind of is a comedy. Cancer well, can be fun. That, well, that's uh, that's a lie, you know, that they're 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 trying to use to have it open. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, and and I was told by a, a senior marketing person in, at Summit during the Toronto Film Festival that that is how the majority, the vast majority of people who have seen it and who were questioned by them during research screenings and all that, they see it as basically a comedy. And I said, I don't think, that, I don't think they're being honest with it. What they're saying is Seth Rogen is doing his kind of jocular, funny, funny guy, smart-ass uh, comments. That's why they say it must be a comedy, because he's in it. It, it actually isn't comedic, hmm. you know? Right, no, Phil, you wouldn't call it a comedian. <clears throat> no, I mean it's a dramedy. I mean that, that's it's 100% the definition of a dramedy. Uh, that, you know, it's yeah. you can't really put it, you know, in either camp and, and be confident about it. It's not a full-on drama, not a full-on comedy. So, yeah, um, and and I am going to give it a second shot. I mean because you know you see things when you're at conventions or film festivals and you're you're tired. You got a bunch yeah. of other things on your mind. I might just not, I just might have been in the wrong mood for it at the time. And, you know, that's entirely possible, and I'll, I'll eat crow, and I'll admit to, you know, if I watch it again and I was wrong, you know, I'll, I'll own up to it. But If I you want to, just... you know, Greenberg was more of a comedy than this was. And yeah. most people, what would you, you, I mean, would you call, I would call Greenberg definitely a kind of comedy, and no question about it. You're supposed to laugh at stuff, but this, that had more laughs than this did, I think. Hmm. Well, I hated Greenberg too, but uh, you hated Greenberg. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. So. 
Lisa. <laughs> that was, oh, no. Uh, to me, the, the, the greatest moment of Greenberg's uh, short, short life in theaters was when I've, I was sent a uh, photo of a sign that they pasted inside the box office window that, you know, uh, if you buy a ticket for yeah. Greenberg, we're not going to, we're going to be able to honor refunds and you're going to have to see it or leave. <laughs> no refund. <That's> a, <laughs> Isn't that, that always a badge of honor? People? They did that with uh, Tree of Life. Too. Tree of Life. Yeah, they totally did that with their <laughs> Tree of Life. <laughs> this movie's going to suck so hard, but sorry, I'll get your money back. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm bummed. I Enter wanted at your to own really risk. see it. I really wanted to go to see Tree of Life with an audience, and I didn't because I, I saw that in a screening because I, I didn't want to wait. And I, I really wanted to see it with, like, a packed house just to watch people walk out and watch people be confused and everything like that. And I, and I really regret, you know, not doing that now. But I, I would have loved that. I just would have, you know, relished that because especially, you know, they might be with it and with it and then that 25-minute chunk of, you know, yeah, the beginning of the universe. <laughs> well, my my nephew wrote a Facebook thing. He's he's like 22. He's really cute. And he has good taste in movies, you know, pretty much. And um, he's like, I'm about a half hour into the Tree of Life. Does this shit get any better? <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sorry, Tree of Life fans. I don't mean I love the movie too. I didn't hate it, you know. So, but I I was levitated, physically levitated by the first 45 minutes to an hour of that thing. I was del- I was amazed, and then it started to not be amazing. Right. But I was I'll never forget my first experience with the first 45 minutes of that film. Just wow, you know. So I'll, I'll take that with me to my grave. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but there, there's that old story about Orson Welles trying to get somebody to uh, get, uh, get, get a crew of people to go along with a surrealistic, uh, 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 un- unreal, uh, non-narrative um, <clears throat> element in a film that he was directing. And <clears throat> they, the, the, the people that he was trying to work with, the production, you know, the... Uh, <clears throat> And they just were saying, "Well, what is this, though? We don't, we don't understand." And he, when he finally said, <clears throat> "It's a dream sequence, guys. It's a dream <laughs> sequence." When they heard that, everything, oh, fine, I get it. Okay, mm, you know. Mm-hmm. So if people understand that it's a, it's a certain type of thing, if the right words are presented to them, then they go, "Oh, I see how to let it in." Okay, fine. So I think most people just didn't know how to let it in. They didn't want to let it in. They just felt, "I don't need this. What is this? Is this shit get any better?" You know. And that's the way most people responded to it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't understand. You know, you can't. You can't. Uh, people don't want to like something. You can't stop them. As Sam Goldwyn said. No, oh, you know, that's you, absolutely you, true. You, you can't beat it into them. So. Right, but and and also they don't really want to work that hard when they go to the movies. You know, you're already shelling out a lot of money. And um, I talked to a woman, by the way, last night, Sasha. Uh, with I uh, was meeting with uh, Svetlana, my DP friend, and mm-hmm. we were downtown. And her, this woman, whose who's, whose place she's staying at, she saw Moneyball, and she was kind of complaining about the third act. What was that? You know, the little girl within there wasn't any big. You know, they didn't win anything. I, I'm a little disappointed. You know? mm-hmm. So who was some that? people are just going to have that response. Who was this woman? I. Sorry, I can't remember. I, I I was told her name and it didn't stick because she was saying all these things and I didn't have that much interest. Um, no, but I mean, so, what anyway. is her deal? Like, what's her story? Oh, she's a photographer. She takes uh, baby pictures. Um, she uh, she uh, takes fi- and she does well as a photographer of a kind of a specialized kind of mm. photography. Mm-hmm. And she lives in San Francisco and she happens to be staying in New York for the time being, okay. paying incidentally thirty five hundred a month <laughs> as a sublet. 
because of the cool area that she lives in. I, I couldn't believe that. I said, "Oh, come on!" You know, I mean, it's, it's you know, people kind of accept that you pay two grand a month for a nice apartment in New York, hmm. but thirty-five hundred. I mean, this is. This is there's something wrong with the world with 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 everybody that you you have to pay so much to live here in a decent place. I mean, you know. Oh yeah, let's well, agree the best city in the world. It's only money. Uh, I dispute that. I really do I dispute so. that. I mean, I've been to Barcelona, I've been to Paris, I've been to Prague. That Paris. I, I, I know that New York is wonderful, but it's not the best absolute worth anything. I'll pay anything to live here. See, I don't. I, I think don't there feel are two way. of them. There are two: Paris and New York. I'd pay yeah. anything to live there. Both places. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're great cities, man. Yeah. So, that worries me a little bit about Moneyball because. Um, I, I think it's a really strong Oscar Best Picture contender. I, uh, I think that I used to think it could win, but hearing what your friend has to say, I mean, The King's Speech is not a movie that anybody would ever say, what happened in the third act? They already mm-hmm. know what happens in the third act. Anybody's going to know. Nobody's ever yep. going to ask that question, you know. And, um, right. and so Oscar Best Picture winners have to be movies that, People they have to be. They have to be a little, a little sort of dumb it down a little bit, uh, ladle it out in a very clear, <laughs> unmistakable thing, mm-hmm. right? Pretty yeah. much. I mean, I. The, the, this is the lesson we learned from last year. It wasn't the case with um, Hurt Locker, although Hurt Locker is one that if you travel around the world and you out and you talk to people. Uh oh, Phil. Oh, oh Phil, yeah, no, I'm still here. I just, you, I, I wanted to. I got to run. I have to. Just, oh. You got to run. The international okay. Stuff, so. Okay. Nice talking to you. Cool. Thanks again, guys. Nice talking. Phil, to you. what's the big thing next weekend? What are we looking? What's the big thing? Uh, what's well, the fifty-fifty? Yeah, we, 50, we 50 is, is the whole deal next weekend. Well, in, yeah. in Dreamhouse, but Dreamhouse is an Oscar contender in any way, shape, or form. And Dreamhouse, yeah. don't you think the Dreamhouse has diminished itself somewhat by giving almost all the story away in the trailers? The, the oh, big absolutely. Surprise. Yeah, I mean. I'll never people understand. Need to learn with, oh, sorry. I'm going, go, ahead. go ahead. Well, no, yeah. I mean, people need to learn that with when it comes to marketing a horror movie or a thriller, you know, you you can't give away that much in the the trailer or it ruins it. I mean, look at you know, Paranormal Activities, the prime example of a movie that had faith in the audience and, and knew that right. you know, if you hold a lot back, you're going to entice people with that kind of stuff. And Moneyball doesn't, or I'm sorry, uh, Dreamhouse doesn't have the that kind of, you know, nerve or, or that kind mm. of faith in the audience. So, yeah, you feel like you've seen the whole thing when you watch the trailer. Right. So mm. we'll see. Hmm. Okay, pal. All right. All right. Thanks again, guys. All right. We'll talk soon. again. Hi, right. Phil. Right. So you're, um, uh, you were reiterating the same thing, but uh, but there's a, I, I feel that, the, that uh, don't you feel that um, Moneyball is more, um, I- at the end of the day, uh, more of an audience-friendly film than Social Network, or do you think they're Absolutely. both on the same? Absolutely. No, I don't, I don't compare them at all. In fact, Moneyball is cleaned up by Aaron Sorkin, but it wasn't conceived by Aaron Sorkin, which the Social Network was, and it was such a pure, this is why the movie was so such a masterpiece, because it was such a pure... Um, collaboration of Fincher and Sorkin, <clears throat> and I'd even count Tred, Trent Reznor in the music, and the, they all just kind of pushed e- against each other. It was like you know the way that they that you build a diamond. It was just the the crushing of minerals, you know, <laughs> the pressure sure. and you know the forces, the forces against each other, the Sorkin force against the. Uh, sorry. Is that you? Yeah. Sorry. Landline. Um, okay. Against the. Uh, Emma, hold on a sec. Emma, it's Emma. 
You can take the phone in your room. You Please don't edit this out. This is the live reality stuff that I think is so great. Oh, you know? God. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, why, that's why I, I have the capability of editing out my little thing with uh, Bennett Miller when we're taking, I'm taking his picture and he's saying, oh, please don't use, let me smile more. And, you know, I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, There's yeah, let's, let's, let's just dive right into Moneyball, shall we, with Oscar. Yep. Um, so when I first saw it, I thought, you know, right. there are very few movies that I, that I react. Oh, well, let me just finish the thought on the social network, which is that that's why it was, it was what it was. You know, um, the, the Moneyball has a long history. I mean, it was, you know, uh, it was at Sony first with Steven Soderbergh and, um, you know, they, right. Steven Soderbergh wanted to make it like a really serious documentary with only using real people and footage. And No, you know. he did not want to make a documentary. He wanted to interlace or intersperse the narrative with documentary type speaking to the camera footage. Mm-hmm. I think that was, that was one of his key ideas. Right, right, right. And <clears throat> Stan Chervin is a guy who um, conceived the story and, and, and wrote the screenplay and wrote many, many drafts of it. And he's the one that kind of brought in the idea of the daughter, which right. isn't true, isn't true to, to Billy Bean's life. And and then um, Sony pulled the plug on the Soderbergh and just said, we can't make this movie. We can't make a mm-hmm. $65 million <laughs> movie, you know, that's a total downer. <laughs> so, And then it just got kicked around and then um, enter Steve Zalian and then enter, you know, much later Brad Pitt and then Aaron Sorkin and, you know, eventually it kind of found its way, but it, it, it's not a, it's not a Aaron Sorkin film. You know, it's people are trying to make it that, but that's not what it is. And anybody expecting it to be like the social network are going to be really disappointed because it's not that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. But conversely, it's much more emotionally real than yeah. social network, but it's a movie you have to just sit back and you have to just let it wash over you slowly. You know, it's not a movie. It's subtle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a... I think people are expecting it to be, you know, up and funny <clears throat> and, you know, like Bull Durham or something, you know, but... My, you know, one of my favorite scenes or favorite moments, I should say, is um, the moment when um, Brad Pitt um, uh, and Jonah Hill knock on uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's office door. And uh, Pitt says to Hoffman, uh, you got a minute. To just talk, mm. and uh, and Hoffman's reaction is so priceless. It's because there's such contention and uh, and and pretty much open dislike between the two of them. Because Hoffman feels undermined, and you know you're doing this whole new thing. And he when when Pitt says you got a minute to talk, Hoffman takes about three seconds, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he kind of throws his hands up like, whatever. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, I, know, <laughs> I got the great. biggest laugh out of that. Really. All the way through, he's making yeah. me, he's so funny. Like when he, when yeah. he t- starts talking about the, uh, you know, the, his contract and he's like, no, every, uh-huh. every line that he delivers is great. Philip Seymour Hoffman. I mean, he really chews yeah. on it he's great. And he, he captures that like grouchy coach look so well. Like when you see him mm-hmm. on the, f- and he's like going time out and he's walking on the field, you know, they always, coaches always have that, especially when they're losing, they always have that poker face. You know, eyes mm-hmm. turned down, frown. <laughs> you know, you just got right. it so well. I thought. Yeah. But um, by the way, the uh, the coach, the excuse me, the scout, who's the senior uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, 
the, the, the biggest guy on the, on the scout team that, that doesn't really like what's going on, he's a real uh, scout, and he's sort of bounced around from club to club. He's been at it for about 30 years. No kidding. And, Be- and Bennett ran into him at a, uh, during a commercial. And when he talked to him during the uh, uh, shooting of the commercial, he was just kind of trying to get to know him. He says, what do you think about Billy Bean? And the guy said, ruining baseball, one of the worst <laughs> things that happened. And he went on for about 10 minutes. And, mm-hmm. and, he, and so Bennett remembered, this guy really, really doesn't like Billy Bean. And so he used him when, you know, when he said, why don't you read a little bit? And, and I think he's one of the most believable, great deep mm-hmm. voice. He has authority. He just, he just believed the guy, 110%. Yeah. So. Absolutely. One of the things that I love about Moneyball, and I noticed it right away, was the kind of real sense of being in that room with the with the. Um, I actually, some of them are actors, but some of them seem like they're definitely not actors, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they just have such a wonderful way of talking, and something you don't see in movies. And there, Bennett Miller has several really outstanding shots that he does, mm-hmm. and moments that right. he and. For me, Moneyball is about Bennett Miller and it's about Brad Pitt. It's much less about Aaron Sorkin and Steve Zalian. Of course, their writing is is in there. It's good. It's just that the direct direction to me is what elevates it to a great film from a mm-hmm. good film. Right. I think it's just right. brilliantly directed. I think he's a master at, at keeping it subtle and real and not making it one of those silly. It so easily could have been a cheese ball movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and boy, is Brad Pitt good. You know, he's mm-hmm. never been mm-hmm. better, really. Never. It's the best thing he's ever done. No, no question about it. I think that's going to be recognized across the board. And, um, you know, like I said, it's uh, as, as, as our friend Chris Tapley noted uh, during the Telluride Film Festival, uh, <clears throat> best actor contests are about, um, you know, emotional responses to actors. They're, you know, who do you want to go to bed with? Who do you want to have over for dinner? Who do you want to, you know, drink with and, like, be, be a friend with? So it's it's Clooney and, and Pitt, right, as far as I can right see. Now. I don't think it's I don't think it's going to happen with DiCaprio, just based on, upon the trailer. I don't know anything. But I just, based on that trailer, I don't think it's going to happen. So. Oh, I do. It'll definitely yep. happen. Oh, yeah. If he got nominated. No, I'm not saying the nomination is going to happen. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah. it's going to connect with him that well well i don't know i mean i i still think that it's an uphill climb for uh for brad pitt to win although he's my number one choice right now even though i know i argued with you and scott feinberg about this poor scott i totally tried to humiliate him online about it but uh i don't think it's down to right now i don't think it's down to dicaprio and and um and pitt only because we haven't seen what dicaprio is doing so you can't even count that but so right now it's between Pitt and and Clooney for sure. But it might yeah. change. You know there there are a lot of well, other. Well, I, I would ask you: Do you don't you have a little bit of a roadblock when you see an actor, uh, you know, doing a good job as an actor, but still uh, covered with uh, makeup? I, I just can't quite go there. Uh, it depends. I can admire it, but I don't really get into it. That well, much. Kate Winslet had makeup all over her face when she did the Reader. I think that it um, it just depends because, you know, I don't really trust a trailer totally. You know, you can't trust a trailer. There's so much more that the film will have to offer. It's the whole Every story. Time. You're oh yeah. Right. So I never judge anything. Snap judgment. I think what we're doing in the with so many Oscar bloggers now on the beat is that we're just trying to jump the gun too much. We're trying to get a definitive answer way too early. 
And I think that that just does injustices to films and performers. I really do. I know that I'm sort of one of the people that helped start this whole monster. <laughs> but I think that we just need to, to, to take it, you know, it can't be about pretty soon we're going to start, you know, predicting a, a person winning based on the screenplay, you know, and you can't do that. You just can't. You have to give it time to open and have audience reaction like Moneyball. I saw it in a vacuum. I saw it at a screener. I thought it was like the best movie I've one of the best movies I've seen all year. But now mm -hmm. that I'm seeing how it plays, I thought it would open at number 1. I thought everybody would get it and love it, you know, and um that turned out not to be true. It's it's a movie that is going to be like more like Michael Mann's The Insider. It's going to be a movie that is greatly appreciated for years and years to come and watched and rewatched and studied and talked about and written about. And maybe in years to come, people will go, wow, Moneyball was up for Best Picture and it didn't win because it lost to whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's not a movie that's that's million-dollar baby where it's going to grab everybody right away. They're going to vote for it. It's going to win, and that's the end of the story. It's not that movie, you know. Mm. So... There's always going to be uh, a big uh, a big war about uh, between the people that want things simpler and plainer and more sentimental and more clear as a bell, and then there's going to be the other side that really uh, just just is uh, feels joyous and exuberant over a film that mm. isn't quite so simple and yet delivers in a really meaty way, but not in the usual way, not in the expected way. No. And there's always going to be that war between those two camps: people that want the simple thing, they just want what they want, what they want, and the other people think, well, but look. Look at the uniqueness of this thing. This is really exceptional. It's really doing something that I have not really taken a bath in before, and I love it. You know. I know. And, and also, as you're talking about it, it's impossible not to see and recognize the, the overall theme of Moneyball, which is that it applies to almost every kind of um, game. And, and Oscar right. watching is a game. And you could mm -hmm. talk about the winners and the losers, sure. You can talk about a movie like Million Dollar Baby that can come in and win. Um, but... Uh, wouldn't you rather have made that movie that people watch over and over again for years and years? Isn't that about the real winners? Isn't that about enjoying the show rather than the instant winner? The winner is not necessarily the best. It isn't. You know, it's because they played the game right and they, they won. But the art of it, the story of it, you know... That's what I just heard your daughter cry. I know, out. I know. I'm gonna <laughs> say, I'm gonna shout, scream at her in a minute. I'm right in the middle of a deep thought. God damn, <laughs> shut your pie hole. No, <laughs> just kidding. I will have to tell her, Emma, you gotta keep it down, honey. Shut the door. Keep it down. I can hear you. <laughs> I love being. I love hearing Emma. This is great. She's so funny. She her. She's talking to her best friend and. They've morphed LOL into, first it was like LOL online as a way to express emotion. Then it was, now they actually say it out loud instead of laughing. Like they say, lol, to each other. Everything is lol. You know, so it's like it's become, now it's become a verbal thing again. <laughs> so that's what I heard her just say, lol. <laughs> so anyway... But but don't you understand what I'm saying though about yeah. that? Is that it's like for me, Oscar watching? Yeah, it is. It's it's about the picking the winners and losers. But that's, that doesn't mean you're picking the best, you know. So, uh, I here's my personal uh, suspicion. I, I it's more of an intuitive thing, but I just I don't think. I think that <clears throat> Mr. Eastwood, whom I admire like few other uh, filmmakers, uh, I think he's one of the greats. Uh, I think he has entered a period in his life that is about 
the the, the sheer life-giving, uh, life-sustaining joy of filmmaking as an end in itself. Mm. And it's 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 therapy. It's 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 just it's it's joy for him. And he'll and I love that he's, you know, he's acting as if he's got another twenty, thirty years of filmmaking yet to go, and that he just doesn't want to. He's just pushing on. You know, next movie, yeah. next movie. I know. I I think that that. That that way of living, which is kind of like what Woody Allen's approach has been for many years, which he he said once that he um, he said if I didn't, you know, I've got so many issues and I've got so much sort of pulling at me and, and that it'll take me into the into the melancholia and the depression. If I don't make a movie every year, I would just eat myself alive, and I, you know, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd I'd be in a pretty bad place. So it's something he does to kind of keep healthy and to keep moving. And it's just a way of life for him. I think it's become that for Clint. I don't know that what he is doing is necessarily going to yield uh, a film as well chiseled and as clear as a bell, great as, say, Unforgiven or Million Dollar Baby. I don't know. I I don't know that it's going to work out. Uh, I think he's just happy, and I love that he's continuing to make. We know that his efforts are... are, He's he's a good enough filmmaker that he's uh, going to... um, always deliver something at least moderately satisfying you're never going to say boy what a piece of shit that was you know even even um um uh, you know hereafter which i didn't think was all that great frankly um that was moderately satisfying it's not a bad movie it just wasn't quite what you you know what i felt should have been delivered for the given material so um yeah i, I don't know that it's going to work uh the, the hoover movie frankly because i've read the script and i i think it's going to be an okay film I don't feel. Uh, I, I don't see how it can be something really up there. You know, I just don't. Mm. Uh, no, well, I, no, I can't I say anything it's, about it's, it until I see it. But it, from yeah. the trailer, for me, it looks like the kind of Clint Eastwood movie I love. Which is, I mean, I think that I'm a sort of a Clint apologist because I really do see what he's doing and I really do appreciate it. I always try to look back if I can 20 years hence. You know, like I try to say. What, what are we going to think of when we look back in 20 years at these movies and these filmmakers? And who's doing the greatest work of their career? Who's really pushing the envelope? Who's really thinking outside the box and taking chances? And fucking Clint Eastwood is, man. He's in his 80s and he's doing that. And so what if it doesn't satisfy the fanboys? You know? yeah. It's like I could give a crap what they think, really. I was completely happy with um, his um, front porch old man movie. Um, what's wrong with me? Grand Torino, yeah. Gran Torino. Gran Torino, that, which I didn't That was really delightful. Like. And yet, while I was watching that film, uh, for the very first time, by the way, which was at, on a screener uh, with, um, I think it was with uh, Philip Noyce, the director, and his, and his, um, his neighbor, and a couple of people. We were just watching it, and, and Phil, Philip said, uh, right sort of in the middle, you know, no one else in the front ranks is making movies the way he makes movies, you know, which he does it the Clint way. Mm-hmm. They, you know, he's he's not uh, uh, enthralled to the you know chaotic editing, and you know he play he, he just makes his film his, his own way. Yeah. And I love the guy, worship the guy for that, and I'm so happy that he's with us and making these films one after another. Me I just sure. don't know that he's going to deliver it uh, with this particular thing. To, um, his movies a, are are really really underrated though by people yeah. because we we live in such an instant love it hate it culture of film watching it's ridiculous really it's like you know shit can it celebrate it it's gone tomorrow you know yeah, yeah um, changeling is a really good movie actually if you sit down and you watch that i've seen it about 10 times 
And once you watch a movie a few times, you start to see what emerges from it. And that is a great film. It really is, honestly. And people don't think it was, and it was never celebrated as such, but I can guarantee you that in years to come, people are going to look back on that as being... And I think it's going to be the, probably the same story with J. Edgar, but we'll just have to see, right? I mean, hopefully it'll be as good Let as... Me on, on Twitter and on the uh, internet boards, Changeling was celebrated as a great drinking game movie. <laughs> Every time she says, that's not my son, you know, where's my mm-hmm. son? You, you know, drink a, a bottle of beer, you know, you chug one. And by the time that movie is over, you are like on the floor, you know, stinking drunk because she's, that moment happens about, what, eight or nine times? Yeah, but first... you know what's great about that movie is not the Angelina Jolie stuff. It's the stuff okay. with the chicken ranch. It's all that stuff. It's the stuff with the kid and the murder. And the, the Clint Eastwood I love is the one who goes really dark. Like uh, Letters from Iwo Jima Dark, you know, and Mystic River Dark. That's the guy I like. And I'm hoping that J. Edgar is along those lines. I don't so much like the guy who's uplifting. That's one of the reasons I love Changeling is because it's so damn dark. And um, The the real uh, darkness of Mystic River was, I guess, um, Straw and Penn's wife being fully aware of what has happened and the, mm. the cruelty and the ugliness of what's happened to poor... Uh, Tim, why did I just blank on his last name? Robbins. This is what happens. Oh, People okay. are so common to you. You think about them, and you then, if they don't do anything significant in the last, say, three, four years, five years, you start to forget their last name. That's astonishing. I just blanked on Tim Robbins' name. <laughs> I've, I, I've been, he's been like a common factor in my head mm. since, since Bull Durham, which was uh, how many years ago? I don't know, but... All I know is that... 88. Of, that was 88. It's been like 25 years, and I just forgot yeah. his last name. Amazing. Well, he's great in Mystic River, and he mm. that scene where he's recounting his memories, and he's and Clint Eastwood, he's shot from down below, and there's just he's, he's bathed in darkness behind him. That's yeah. a memorable, beautiful scene, and there are a lot of those in Changeling with... Um, mm-hmm. I would love, if I was a film professor, if I had a different life, I would totally teach a class on Eastwood, and I would totally do his later movies, and I would show what's great about them. Because I do think that he's underappreciated. He's he's disregarded, and he's underappreciated because he doesn't fit into the fanboy wheelhouse, you know? And The... Um, uh the, the first of his two uh, World War II movies, Flags of Our Fathers, mm. was a, uh, to me, not a very uh, interesting and even tiresome film. It kept the way it kept cutting him away from the, f- the phoniness of the celebration of the heroism of these Iwo Jima guys to the fact that they're what they really went through. I felt that was so um, overemphasized. Yeah, I, I, I know. I, a lot I didn't of find did. it very interesting. A lot of people thought that, and I, I thought it was okay. It was like a B movie to me, but the letters from Iwo Jima was one of the best movies ever made. I mean, it was a great film. And the two together, I mean, can you imagine? What was he, like, in his 80s or whatever, 70s, and he made those two movies? Who else yeah. does that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, who else? He is one of the greatest American directors ever, Clint Eastwood, that he could pull that off and that he's yep. still making movies. So I'm hoping, I'm really hoping he goes, you know, deep down dark with um, J. Edgar and that, you know, because hereafter, as much as I liked it and loved it, it was much more, it was a little too not so dark for me. Like, I like it when he goes really, really. So we'll see what he mm-hmm. does with this. I mean, you read the screenplay. Does it seem like it's kind of a darkish thing or? <clears throat> it, it hopscotches 
uh, throughout history. It goes uh, into his relationship with his mom. It uh, it's his beginning of the the bureau in the uh, early 30s, late 20s. Um, it, it hops all over the place and uh, does start to deepen and darken uh, as, gradually as you, as you basically see the type of person that J. Edgar Hoover was and who he became as he got older and more uh, ruthless manipulator of, uh, of, of people in government, you know, power monger. Mm-hmm. But it's not a, it didn't strike me as something that was really doing anything that thrilling. It just was... Um, decently written and absorbing and not a bad piece at all but I didn't feel that turned on by it so hmm. we'll, see. we'll see well we'll have to see speaking of turned on can we just yeah. well never mind let's not go there so um, <laughs> let's talk about your um, on your page you have listed your Oscar stuff your projections should we go over those really quickly I think that would be a good thing to do um, unless sure, you sure. feel like it's redundant since it's already on your site yeah no, let's. Uh, uh, I, I just made up um, an, an effort to try and get people to pay a little attention uh, to Olivia Coleman, who um, is not going to get any attention, and who people are not going to um, uh, write about or or talk that much about because of one thing only. One, or she's because she's Olivia Coleman, and she's a person with a comedic background, a large uh, TV comedy, and a gifted one. And because there is no money, there, and there will be no money to promote and, uh, you know, hype up uh, the movie that she's in, which is called Tyrannosaur, which, uh, which I saw and fell for big time at um, Sundance last um, January, mm-hmm. and which uh, showed at the L.A. Film Festival and had a couple of minor screenings. Nothing, no, you know, people were just going to, like, uh, go, uh-huh, yeah, okay, and then move on. And, and I think she, she delivers one of the really stunning uh, female performances and she should uh, get her moment in the sun people should at least talk about her mm. and I, I I just think it would be criminal to not mention her as one of the giving one of the yeah. great performances of the year well I'll tell you something um, the Oscar game is pretty dirty and it's hard to play right and you get down here to September October and you start trying to push in a contender it's really hard to break through because they pretty much have their little if you're a, if you're an Oscar publicist you know you have to get it in there before this time. It has that name has to be known and bandied about already by the time we're right. here because like I just got a screener for Emily Watson in um, Oranges and Sunshine. Sounds like a great movie. Sounds like a great performance. I haven't watched it yet, but it is too late, man. You mm. can't. And, and if you're trying to talk about her and you're trying to talk about the one you're talking about, it's like there are so many of them that are going to try to push in at the last minute. But this is the wrong time to be selling it. It has to be earlier. Wait a minute. Uh, no one's seen, you know, extremely loud, uh, incredibly close. So what about what if Sandra Bullock does something astonishing? That's not too late for her. But people because already know. Sandra Bullock. But right? people already know about those movies. Nobody knows about Oranges and Sunshine. Nobody. Oh right. That's and a correct. few people yes. know about Tyrannosaur, but it's not. It's not such a big enough movie that it's it's out there and people are talking about it. That's why it's being disregarded. But I think if you talk about it like you're doing now, and I think that she has a chance because she's being championed by you and a couple of other people. That by usually lunch. means yeah. But it's like how many people can you champion? How many different? Like you saw that conversation we had on our Oscar bloggers mailing list that we have. Mm-hmm. All those things, people that they were talking about. It was like they're all on a different planet. <laughs> It's uh-huh, like, uh-huh. who are these people? They're not going to be able to get pushed in at the last minute, despite the good intentions of the bloggers and everything. I mean, they, the Academy members can only take so much, you know. What about, uh, uh, I have not <clears throat> been invited to see, 
I've had a chance to see, but I have not been invited to see or heard anything about screenings for the Deep Blue Sea, the Terrence Winter, which is, um, that was at Toronto. And that's Rachel and, Weiss, right? right? Yeah, or, she's supposed yeah. to be really, so, you know, like career best, according to Guy Lodge. I haven't heard anything. But I mean, why, that would, you keep bringing up Guy Lodge. It's like as if Guy, <laughs> Guy, Guy is wonderful, but he's a fringe dweller. He likes stuff on the fringe. He's talking about Tree of Life possibly winning Best Picture, for God's sake. I mean, Because you know. he, he believes that, that critics might uh, just say, listen, what did we feel really uh, reached out there and did something that, for us, was, was really exceptional? But and he's, he's just saying that maybe they'll just hold to that view, which is uh, respect. Right. I respect and I, that. I respect yeah. it, too, but it's like, you know, you want to talk about Oscar stuff, you got to talk to... Mm-hmm. Chris Tapley about Oscar stuff. I mean, he's the <laughs> one that knows. I love what Guy's doing. Guy's a lo- lot more like you. Like, he's much more think outside the box, throw out names that aren't being, you know, that nobody knows about. That's great and everything, but it's just, it's hard to take seriously stuff like Tree of Life is going to win Best Picture. No chance in hell is that going to well, win Best I'll Picture. I'll tell you what, I've, I, 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 you're right about that. It will never win Best Picture, but you know what's hard to t- for me to take seriously? I mean, really hard, is people automatically defaulting to the idea that War Horse, because it's a sentimental movie, well, it has a lot of emotion, and it's about an animal, and it's because it's directed by Steven Spielberg, so it's automatically a either the most likely or second Same most likely. Same here. Not only that, but it's crazy. It's t- complete insanity because year after year we take these movies that are number one supposed without being seen and year after year they're, they strike out every mm-hmm. single year. There's not a single one that has ever started out at number one and one. Not yeah. one. So mm-hmm. you'd think people would learn from that, but no, it's back to business as usual, you know. And it, yeah. it only hurts the poor movie. God, you know, the poor movie that has to sit in that number one spot. The only movie that could probably have accomplished that would have been Schindler's List. It's the only one yeah. I can think of that would have could have started out as a conceived Oscar movie, put yeah. in number one before anyone saw it. They see it. It totally delivers. Right. And it wins. So. You know what's in a, good, in a really good position right now? Because people have largely discounted it as a potential best picture contender is um, The Iron Lady. Because people have said, right. at least everybody I've spoken to and read, that however interesting or, or wonderful Meryl Streep might be as Maggie Thatcher, the director who made, uh, um, her name is Felita Lloyd, who directed um, Mamma Mia, is too pedestrian. And too, she is not a major director mm-hmm. and therefore this movie is going to be at best a, uh, an okay thing. But don't expect anything from this. Yeah. Because Felita Lloyd, what's she, who's she, what's she gonna do? So if this turns out to be uh, somewhat or much better than you or I expect, it's going to suddenly be a, a big thing because it's totally. coming in with a low expectation. Yeah, this is million-dollar baby territory right now. This mm-hmm. is when million-dollar baby came in, and suddenly it was yes, 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 a a a. You know, star director, right. weepy. You know, Academy movie. Everybody loved it. Boom, it was done. So if right. any movie comes along that's like that, it can totally take the Oscar race, and we won't even have a race. Mm-hmm. But that's why I thought Moneyball was in such a good position because people were so underestimating it and so disregarding it. And I just saw it as like, you know, snowballing. Like people sure. really start to love it and, and spread word of mouth. It feels like the American movie everybody needs right now. It mm-hmm. hits right in the Academy's sort of um, preferences category. It's like it's for the anybody over 50. It's, um, you know, yep. it's about baseball. It's about the new versus the old. It's it's about you know, and Brad Pitt's only got one love interest, and that's his daughter. I mean, it, it's so women are gonna love it. 
you know, so we'll have to see how that goes. But so, thirteen-year-old Emma was um, uh, somewhat unmoved by Moneyball, and yeah. my twenty-three-year-old son, Jet, was saying, "You know, I know it's a good movie. I know it's a good movie. It is a good movie, but I like Drive better." He said. Yeah. So. Because uh, Drive was more of his sensibility. It came mm-hmm. to him more directly than Moneyball did. Right. So there's, I think that there's maybe a little chill, a, a little coolness towards, towards the film. <clears throat> a little bit. <clears throat> I don't know how much, but, you know, the under-25 set, you know? Totally. I think, yeah. I think so, too, for sure. But um, we should say that Moneyball right now is the highest reviewed, the best reviewed mainstream film of the year. Yeah. It's it right. I mean, you know, it's it's yeah. in competition with Harry Potter, but Harry Potter is a movie that doesn't make sense. So, you know, I mean, I I think that people have to to realize that Moneyball has got everything that an Oscar contender needs. It's got great reviews. It's going to make money. You know, it's got Brad Pitt. It's got Bennett Miller. All those guys are friends with everybody in Hollywood. You know. So to me, it seems like it's a good, strong contender right now. But if it sinks at the box office, obviously that changes things. You know. Uh, you know, I, I was um, thinking something, and then I lost my... Oh, yes. Um, yeah. So you have Moneyball number 1, The Descendants, yeah. War Horse, Extremely Loud, Tinker Tailor, Girl with Dragon Tattoo, Iron Lady, J. Edgar, The Help, and Midnight in Paris. And I'm with you on all of those except... Oh, I have The Artist also, number 9. Oh, and The Artist, yeah. Right. So I would take out Iron Lady, and I would put in what? What's the other one that I would put in there? Hmm... I can't remember now. It seems like there's a... There's Shame, a, Dangerous Method. I don't mm, think those films are, no. are at all going to, you know... No, it's you? neither of those. No, I don't think so. Oh, um, um, I'm trying to think there's, of the... There's tons of films that I just threw out. Uh, I used to have them sitting here as, like, you know, very good, best of the year, that sort of thing. And I just tossed it all. I just figured, why not just go for those films? Coriolanus is a is a is not a is not a a, a mass audience film at all. Um, you didn't see that, right? No, yeah. I don't think it's that one. That's not the one I'm thinking of. Okay. Um, there's one okay. other one that uh, I don't know. But we don't yeah. know that it's going to be ten. It's probably going to be more like nine. They say that it's it's going to land between six and nine, and not even Who's that? ten. Steve Pond. Yeah, Steve Pond and people who know the way that the number one Oscar thing works say that. When they've done it in the past, it didn't land at exactly 10. It was between 6 and 9. Okay. So um, it just could be that there are 9 and that those are the 9. But I don't think that I'm, – I'm not going to put in Iron Lady. You know what I heard about it was that it was light. I heard that it, oh. was, it was light and her performance was light. And if that's the case, no shot for winning or for her winning. No. Well, that would fit within the wheelhouse of Fleet Lloyd, which yeah. is keep it uh, diverting and kind of brisk and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, amusing, a good, you know – that kind of uh, movie is fine, you know, to do yeah. that. But if uh, light is, uh, that's the whole game, then I understand what you're talking about. So. Yeah. And so for director, you have Bennett Miller, Moneyball. I'd totally go along with that. Alexander Payne, The Descendants. I, I do think it's between those two right now. Obviously, mm-hmm. things could change once other movies start to be seen. Steven Spielberg, War Horse. Steven Daldry, Extremely Loud. Eh. Um, Tinker Taylor, no, it's not going to happen. Um, yeah. David Fincher, yes. Clint Eastwood, yes. I think that David, a, David Fincher is a kind of a, um, a. We're sorry we gave the Oscar to Tom. No, Cooper. David Fincher is <laughs> the only. He's the only cinematic <laughs> genius to turn out a film this year. His movie is so. Did you see the eight-minute thing? 
Or, I still have not seen it. Oh, okay. I missed it in Toronto, and I don't. I've never had a chance. Is it showing commercially? Right I'll now, tell you or? what about David Fincher. There, the only other person that even comes close to comparing with him mm-hmm. this year in terms of someone who can set up a shot, a beautiful, memorable film school lesson shot, is either David Fincher, Clint Eastwood, and Steven Spielberg. Those are the three. You know, I might be thinking about adding Bennett Miller to that, but I have to see him do one more movie first. But, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's getting there. Bennett Miller is visually incredible. He's great. And the other one is um, um, uh, we need to talk about Kevin's uh, – God, what's her name? Oh, what is her name? Lynn Ramsey. Lynn Ramsey's another one oh. who's really good visually. But a lot of directors concentrate more on story and less – and then, of course, we have to do Terrence Malick, Tree of Life, because that was just one beautiful shot after another. Sure. Um, and that's the yep. one thing you can take from it. It's probably going to be its only Oscar nomination, maybe Brad Pitt for supporting, but definitely cinematography. It might mm-hmm. win for that. It probably will win for that. Um, but I don't – there's no way Thomas Alfredson's going to get it. If Tinker Taylor gets in, it'll get in for picture. And um, Bennett Miller, probably. Alexander Payne, for sure. Um, we might, you might think about George Clooney for the Ides of March for Best Director. They love him, you know. This, that movie does not, um, you know, someone remarked about uh, the Ides of March that if there's anything not quite there about it, it's that it feels about five years too late. It should have been before John Edwards. Mm. It should have been um, a little more ahead of the game. It feels like it's addressing exactly what we know, and there's no and about politicians and about sex and um, and and you know um, who leaves a campaign for what reason. You know, it's all completely. Mm. Remember, remember that Farragut North, of course, originated uh, from a guy who was with and had a, access to Edwards. the inner workings of the Howard Dean campaign in '04. And uh, it's sort of blending of that, and the the sex was added by Clooney and Grant Hasloff, his co-writer, uh, as a kind of a thing that echoes the the John Edwards uh, story to some extent. Um, so, but it, that's that is finally what I think is a fair thing to say. It doesn't exactly strike out in some way that that makes you think, wow, this is a a, a novel and and quite exciting film because it's it's telling me a story I hadn't quite thought I was going to be told. It tells you pretty much exactly the story that you thought would probably result, given these elements, given the, you know... The the interesting thing is the betrayal thing. That's where the play ended. Hmm. Did you... um, No, I haven't seen the play. I haven't read the script at all either, but... um, But I don't... I think from what I've heard, the, the adding the sex thing was a mistake. Sounds like... Because you didn't see uh, uh, the Clooney character as being um, a, a, a sexually irresponsible, you know, self-destructive type. He d- it didn't fit? You didn't well, I don't it, know. Or? I mean, uh, talking about it for me is, like, pointless, isn't it? Because I haven't seen the movie, so what do I mm. know? You know, it's just a dumb thing for me to say. I shouldn't even say anything about it. I'll wait well, till I see it. I'm seeing it Friday. Yeah, I'll see it Friday, and then we can talk about it. But yeah. Yeah. one thing you have here, you have a actor, right. Brad Pitt, George Clooney... Um, Gary Dog Oldman, button. yes. Yep. Woody Harrelson, probably not. Leonardo, why, wait, yes. Why do you say that? Because it's just too small. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, never going to happen. Michael F- Fassbender, maybe. Um, Jean Dujardin is for sure. Put him in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Damien Bashir, A Better Life. I sure wish he would get in there, but um, I don't know. It's a big boys game, so yeah. who knows? It's it, it's a it's a it's more of a Spirit Awards performance. Yeah, 
And Joseph Gordon-Levitt will be in Spirit Awards. Woody Harrelson will be in Spirit Awards. He'll probably win there. Um, and why is Woody, you didn't address this, Woody Harrelson right away from your vantage point, not a chance because it's too, too late in the game. Too late in the game? It's only September, uh, October It's too late 1st. in the game to get in there, crack that Best Actor 5. Although in his in his favor is he's really well liked with a lot of people so and he's already Oscar nominated so it's possible that he could squeak in but what about uh, Tom Hardy for for Warrior I mean he's I loved him in that okay I so he's got him. a much better chance than Woody Harrelson he's the one everybody's buzzing about so um, but he but isn't he someone and Michael who... Fassbender too Michael Fassbender bumps Woody Harrelson <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't. I don't think he does. I don't. Yeah. I think he's playing oddballs, uh, uh, rather cerebral oddballs, who are kind of twisted up in their own kind of psychology. Uh, uh, obviously, uh, Carl, Carl Jung was a uh, focused and accomplished oddball, but he was. He is an oddball who, you know, uh, uh, whips his uh, former patient with a with a belt as a kind of a sexual thing. That's that's kind of an odd, uh, twisted thing to do in a way. That's a, that's about. Curious, yeah, I don't think he's going to be out. get in for that, but he's going to get in for for shame, I think, because he's a he's a big, bright, up and coming, gorgeous star. But the thing but is, he's, and he's, he's and he's playing, people vote for the role. These are just, sometimes these are very strange, creepy guys, particularly. Sometimes they vote for the role. Character. They also vote for diversity. If you show, if you do two, like Brad Pitt with Tree of Life and Moneyball, if you show diversity in a year. That counts in your favor. It shows you as being an actor's actor. Fassbender's got it all, dude. But here's the thing. No, um, I don't think he does. I, I don't haven't think these seen... movies are, are really deliver, and they don't really have any kind of sweet spot element. Particularly Shame is a film that I can admire uh, from a distance and certainly not you know, actively put down, except that there's nothing. It doesn't give you anything. It just shows you uh, a malignancy, and it mm. uh, explains it more and more thoroughly. And then Final act, close out, malignancy lives. You know, it's the same. I, I don't see what the thing is, why, well, why people are so I don't know, but I, I can't describe what buzz is, what Oscar buzz is. I can't put my finger on it, but I know it when I see it, and he has it. So let's talk seriously about Best Actor. Seriously, we're talking about Brad Pitt. We're talking about mm -hmm. George Clooney mm -hmm. and Leonardo DiCaprio, and we're talking about Gary Oldman probably... And Gary Oldman gives a great performance in Tinker Taylor. It's just very subtle. And mm. he's, he's never been nominated before, so he's... And it's a beautiful performance, I think. It is. It's really, really... I was delighting in how subtle and under, understated everything he does is. And I said, this is so mm. much fun. All you have to do is study him. And, it, and the slightest little twitch of his cheek muscles or his, his eyebrows go up or great. down. I mean, it's all in that realm. It's yeah. great. So Jean Dujardin is the fifth. Yeah. So those are five. And you got to pick one to drop to get in any of these other guys. And who's mm -hmm. going to be the guy? I don't know. Is it going to be Fassbender? Is it going to be Levitt? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be Harrelson? Is it going to be Hardy? You know, mm -hmm. is it going to be B Bashir for a better life? It's like there are so many of them trying to crowd into that one spot. But Pitt is locked. Clooney's locked. Mm -hmm. um, Dujardin is locked. So Because he's charming and because he has a beautiful And it's the Weinsteins, dude. And and <laughs> you can't take on the Weinsteins. You will lose. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's, it's, not, it's not really that fascinating a performance. Oh, He's, he does. He plays matter. a silent movie star. Uh, it kind of like, a, and he looks like Frederick March, and no. he's got uh, everything going for him, and the wind at his sails. And then things change for him, he's and he goes great. down, he and gives then he comes an, back up again. So he gives it's, an it's entire, really, fully uh, realized performance with no dialogue. Do you know how hard that is? 
He's great. I'm not, I'm not trying to diminish. He's a very charming, likable. I said, this guy is definitely a plus for this film. No question about it. Yeah, and it's the fact. If it wasn't the Weinsteins, I probably think, oh, okay, maybe he does. Maybe it's lucky if he gets nominated, but there's no way. Believe me, it's the movie everybody's talking about. It can't lose. Um, you compare. <laughs> there's no comparing. The level of a, the level of intensity, the level of real acting fervor, and and like con, con, being convinced to uh, between Jean Dujardin and let's say Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson. I haven't seen Rampart yet. I got to see Rampart first. I haven't seen it, so I can't right. do anything about it. I can't talk about it until I've actually seen his performance. But if it's his greatest performance, then that's a whole different thing. You know, if it's right. just good, then that's that's obviously not going to be enough. Yeah. And he's not going to bump Jean Dujardin. He, the only person he can bump is Gary Oldman. He can't bump okay. Clooney. He can't bump Pitt. He can't. He maybe can bump DiCaprio. Maybe. Very, very unlikely, but it's possible. But he's not going to bump Dujardin. So, you know, that's how it works. And it's always unsurprising to people the way Best Actor turns out because, you know, this stuff is settled pretty early on. Okay, so let's go down to Best Actress. It's. Um, you have Glenn Close at Albert Knobs, Meryl Streep, Viola Davis, Charlize, unknown quantity there. Um, Not according to Bill Simmons. Who's that? Remember, he, he wrote about the ESPN guy who also has uh, a site um, that's, I keep forgetting the name of it, but it's a, it's a good, smart site that uh, Mark Harris has written for. And he saw um, Charlize in Young Adult way back when uh, Reitman showed it to him. And he thinks that this is her Jerry Maguire role. You know, it's okay, a really good so role. What? And he thinks it's a really fascinating film. And she gets to be sexy and really good at the same time. So I'm he thought it was just a home run for her. Right. So. I'm not surprised that a, a guy thought she was sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, give me a break. Uh, you can trust her about as much as you can trust me talking about, you know, <laughs> Michael Fosman or Alexander Skarsgård. I mean, you can't. Uh -huh. Right. So okay. I don't trust that. And I also am a little bit weirded out by the fact that he's showing it to people and yet no one's seen it. What's up with that? Yeah. I don't know that it's plural. I don't know who's seen it. That's uh, why it's weird to me. So he showed it to this guy. He wrote about it. And then what? Why hasn't anybody else seen it? So um, that's a little uh, bit strange. Their, their, their focus seems to be, look, we don't want to make the up-in-the-air mistake that, that was happened, which is yeah. that it was played out. It was out of gas by the time mm -hmm. December 1st rolled around. Right. And we don't want that to happen, so we're not going to go there. You know, we're not going to show it to any Okay, we showed it to one guy, Bill Simmons. But, but by and large, yeah. <laughs> nobody's going to... We're going to play it much differently. I so hope that's... it does well, and I hope she gets in. I love Charlize Theron. I think she's amazing. Um, but again, she's in sort of the Woody Harrelson territory here. It's 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 a late-in-the-game entry, and who's, who's she going to have to bump? So the three locks are Viola Davis, who's number one right now. I don't know why no one else is putting her there. She's going to win. Um, Glenn Close is in second place. Meryl Streep, still unknown, but because she's Meryl Streep, she gets the third spot. Tilda Swinton, we need to talk about Kevin, is number four. So uh -huh. now we've got a fifth and that's the only open spot right now. So, yeah, Michelle Williams from My Week with Marilyn, no one knows. Maybe. Charlize Theron, no one knows. Maybe. You know. Um, it's Two open. people with the New York Film Festival uh, passed along some, you know, raves and, and in really just over-the-moon raves about her performance as Marilyn Monroe. Great. So we'll see. Then yeah. that looks sounds like a lock to me. Uh. And maybe a win. Who knows? But... Um, yeah. 
but I don't see Glenn Close beating Viola Davis, and I don't see Meryl Streep beating her because Meryl Streep has to top Sophie's Choice to win another Oscar. A lot of people disagree with me on this, but she's just not going to win again unless it's extraordinary. Okay. So she's going to be behind Viola Davis. Um, I think that her uh, Maggie Thatcher, uh, particularly when you say that you've heard that Iron Lady is light, is going to be the kind of uh, very pleasing Meryl Streep performance that uh, Julia Child was. And, how, was, and uh, how great was Julia Child? She was so much better than, than Sandra Bullock in The Blind Side. Mm-hmm. She gave such a brilliant performance as Julia Child. She didn't right. win. And she didn't win because the movie wasn't a strong Best Picture candidate. And that's mm-hmm. what you need. Um, so if, right. if Iron Lady is that, if it is a strong... And, and the reason that she didn't win, another reason she didn't win for um, that horrible Nora Ephron movie was because the second the other half of it was that awful unwatchable story with Julie with Amy Adams yeah. who mm-hmm. has to be one of the most irritating characters ever put on screen in the part and so, it was also you know there I don't care what real history was like uh the movie and I sitting there wanted the two of them to to meet at the end somehow have oh, some kind of I didn't uh, even acknowledgement care. Of each other I did not care at all about the dumb blogger story Blogging is just not an exciting thing to watch at, mm. on screen, and nobody cares. Nobody cares about your dumb, whiny, you know, mewling on the, on the kitchen floor about your lobster or whatever it is. Like, <laughs> who gives a crap, uh-huh. you know? Julia Child was so much bigger than that. She was so much more interesting on every level. The whole movie should have just been about her, and then Meryl Streep would have won. Mm, so okay. and 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 young adult has a problem because it has it has to overcome the stigma that um, Diablo Cody now has, which is people are bugged by her, you know, for whatever reason, and people are kind of bugged by Jason Reitman, frankly. Mm-hmm. So those two together are it's going to be a tough sell, and I don't blame them for holding it to the end of the year. It's going to have to be really really good, you know. So why did uh, Jason Reitman's Up in the Air screenplay? Lose to um, Precious. The um, um, you know why do you think it happened? What was the political reason why he why he did not win? Was I think his... personally it's because he he tried to get his sole name on the screenplay during Oscar season. Yeah, I mean you have to be like the dumbest person on the planet to do that. Anything, any kind of ripple in the Oscar race, you lose. I mean they're really weird. Voters are very strange. Remember when um, God's and Gods and Monsters was up, and it was Lynn Redgrave was going to win the Oscar. But of course, because she had that messy divorce, everybody shied away from her. Mm-hmm. They didn't vote for her. You know, sometimes it can work in your favor, like Melissa Leo and those ads. You know, it can it can turn publicity around in your favor. Sure, but yep. not with Jason Reitman. Dudes mm. like uh, born into a movie star family, went to Harvard Westlake. You know, went to college. Man, Silver Spoon. In all of his orifices, and he's and they detected complain. from that dispute about who should have uh, soul that he should have sole authorship. They detected that he was sort of elbowing aside a guy who didn't have as much power. Exactly, as him. and he lost. And also, I mean, even without that, he would have had a hard time winning the Oscar because he's already won everything, and he's not a guy you root for. And his movie's not a movie you root for. So, but Precious is, and Jeffrey Fletcher is. He's the first black screenplay winner. It feels good mm-hmm. to vote for somebody like that. It feels mm-hmm. good to vote for someone that you don't have to vote for, that you don't feel pressured to vote for. Also, Up in the Air just lost all of its steam by the end of the year. It didn't have anywhere to go but down. Right. And that's not 
the fault of the movie, it's the fault of the way the movie was perceived and the way it was overhyped by the bloggers. Okay. I think. And have but, nowhere so, to go but down. And so I don't blame them for holding it, young adult. Young adult doesn't sound like it's going to be like up in the air. It's not sappy. It's probably sardonic and ironic and weird, more like Juno. So mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, what was I even saying? I don't know. We were just <laughs> we were just going after uh, the various categories. You were covering yeah. this, that, and the other. We got as far as best actress. I, I my only <clears throat> um, exception, and I and I uh, I know that I'm not going to prevail or or change any minds. Is I don't feel that Davis's role is a lead, but it's being pushed through. It's being muscled through as a lead, and you know you either be chaotic like me and say no it's not or you just go along with it and say she's she is a lead role and she's going to win which she might well win and i think she's a wonderful actress i've and you know you know i just happened to see her in one of the um one of the tv uh one of the uh, one of those cop shows one of those um you know there's there's so many variations of it i don't even you know my son was watching it and i would say hey there's viola davis playing a um a, a da you know yeah and um i said boy what a thrill to see her you know because she's one of the greatest oh, so yeah. i don't have any argument with her winning i, I think she's wonderful she's got but everything just, it's, it's not a lead it's not it's, a lead it's, role it's you know? three it's like she it checks all the boxes this performance yeah. because it's in a movie that made 168 million i think yeah the Help, you know, movie starring black women made over $100 million. That's amazing. Sure. And then she's a character actress. She's a Steven Soderbergh favorite. She knows everybody in Hollywood. Even Meryl Streep wanted her to win the year they were both up for supporting. For or, Doubt. For Doubt, yeah. She wanted Viola Davis to win. Mm-hmm. And all of that goodwill helps her. Plus, the number one reason is that her character is the most lovable and likable. Who's going to fucking vote for Meryl Streep as Margaret Thatcher? What what liberal is going to vote for that character? Nobody. I completely concur with that. I uh, it's uh, no one uh, admires her politically, really. Uh, you know, uh, the, it's the whole wave of conservatism that uh, began to take over the the, uh, the our nation in the 80s with yeah. Reagan, and you know, look look where we are. Look what the conservatives have done. Yeah. So uh, unless the you know. movie slices her and dices her, they're not going to go for it, and it has to really treat her. It, I don't think it's going to, though. I think it's going to be very respectful of her. But we'll have to see. Um, the only other character that it comes close to being as sympathetic and lovable as Viola Davis, who, let's face it, nobody is that good. But it's going to be Michelle Williams for My Week with Marilyn because it's not Tilda Swinton. And mm-hmm. it's not going to be Charlize Theron, who gives a shit. And it's not going to be Meryl Streep. And it's probably not going to be Glenn Close because her character is so hard to love, you know. Uh, it's a very uh, uh, her her character in Albert Knobs is a it's is, is minimalist like in the in not quite like Gary Oldman but similar to Gary Oldman because it's very very uh, uh, very choice and and very sort of you know pressed down and uh, she never really lets go with anything in the entire film uh, in as a design it's that's the intended uh, way to play it mm. but it, it, there's there's one scene at the very end when she lets go and then and then um you know but she's a person who's kind of deluded and she's hiding the whole whole time so the whole glenn close thing is that she, you know she produced this she pushed this through for years finally got made and she never got she never won in the 80s with that great run of roles so let's definitely nominate her and give her right. all the love that we feel she deserves and but it's not going to win so I, I don't think so either unfortunately i mean i'm down with it i'm down with that kind of win i'm fine with it but i don't yeah. i just think that viola davis you know voters 
mm-hmm. they had to stand up in a room in front of a whole bunch of people and raise their hand for who they were voting for, that's one thing. But they don't. They do it in the dark. They only vote for who they like, and it's an honest moment right. for them. They're honest about who they like and what they want to vote for. So I don't see them emotionally going for Glenn Close. So. Okay, and why do you, why did you just say the words "Who gives a shit" regarding Charlize again? Because you, you feel that she's that, I think that Bill Simmons gonna... sentiment about her really finding a sweet spot role that's perfect for her, and oh, well, she's sexy so in it. She's already won Best Actress, A and B. Um, this isn't a character. What I mean by "Who gives a shit" is is this character doesn't sound, from what I've heard, to be sympathetic. No, and that's the point, though. That's the boldness of it. I know. She's so who gives a shit? I mean, we're kind of past that already. Right now, we're living in in pretty hardcore times, you know. And and it's like I think that these movies are the reason that all the feel good movies are doing so well right now is because, like Phil said, I don't think people want to. Um, I don't think that that, it, that we're in the 90s anymore and the, the early part of the millennium where we could afford to sit around and, and whine about our dumb problems like that, you know? Mm-hmm. That's like, as Brad Pitt says, that's uptown problems or whatever he says. That's Those are uptown problems and no one really cares, you know? Okay. Um, and the reason people care about Brad Pitt, I think, in Moneyball is because it's all about his failure as a baseball player what he's trying to do and it's just such a beautiful failure because he ends up sticking with the Oakland A's they never win the World Series the 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 thing that he pushes forward the way he changes baseball other teams go on to use and they start winning the World Series against him so he's always yeah. a loser mm-hmm. man that's why it's so great when she says, you're such a loser, Dad. You're such, but just enjoy the show. It's right, you know. God love him. He's a loser, but he's a beautiful loser, as Leonard Cohen would say. Um, I think you're really discounting Rooney Mara because I don't know if she can win. I haven't read this, the book or the screenplay, so I don't know what her character's all about. But from what I saw in those eight minutes, she's nailing that part, and she's going to get a nomination. She has a very intriguing uh, um, kind of faux Swedish accent uh, uh, applied to her English, which is uh, strange in and of itself that you have a film that's, you know, I know. Taking, taking place in Sweden. Everybody's talking English. But leaving that aside, she's, she's very, you know, right away, I said she's going to be good. No question about it. But uh, have we not, uh, as, as, a, as a culture, as an entertainment culture, digested the idea of, of her uh, Dragon Tattoo characters being a kind of a paragon of, of female strength and, and toughness and woman. Uh, I don't know. You know. All I know is that she's totally changed herself. She's altered herself the way Charlize Theron did for Monster. She's physically oh, okay. different. She's She sounds right. different. She looks different. Everything about her is weird and unusual. It's a, it. it's a it's going to be, I think, a virtuoso performance, but we're just going to have to see because I don't, I mean, if the movie's terrible, although I don't think David Fincher's ever made a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. But um, she's going to be in there because other than Glenn Close and maybe Meryl Streep, I'm not seeing any other character, or Michelle Williams, I guess. I'm talking about actresses that have totally transformed themselves and become sure. somebody totally different than who they are in real life. Right. So Rooney Mara is going to be in there, I have a feeling. But um, Okay. And that's it, I guess, for today, right. since we've already gone on an hour and a half. <laughs> We have? I didn't realize that. Yeah, All right. All it's right. an hour and a half. Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess we can't really go on anymore. I mean, we could go through supporting. I think that I, your commenter, one of your commenters adds in Melissa McCarthy, and I agree. I think she's going to be nominated for Best Supporting, and you don't have her on here. 
Melissa um, McCarthy in what? Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. Oh yeah, she was great. I loved her in that. Yeah. She was the she was the standout. Absolutely. Yeah. And she just won the the uh, uh-huh. Emmy uh, also. So and I wrote a thing about that. I wrote that she. I do think that she's um she's that that gives Bridesmaids a bump. And I think Melissa McCarthy could get nominated, and the screenplay could get nominated. Both of those, and because Kristen Wiig is one of the co-writers of the screenplay, so. That's um, a that's a good choice. That's a I totally subscribe to that, and I think yeah. she ought to. So. so if we're talking best actors, I haven't seen Corey Lawless, but is Vanessa Redgrave really good in it? Yeah, she's uh, you know she's she's you know you get the feeling right away. This is a great actress with a with lots of power and a lot of passion, and she she really delivers the Shakespeare in a in a way that you completely. She's great. Yeah, okay, so Vanessa Redgrave is locked. Octavia Spencer is locked. Sandra Bullock's probably locked. Those three, and then mm-hmm. I would add Melissa McCarthy and. Shailene Woodley, for sure. She's got to be locked, right? She's so good in The Descendants. It's, um, you know, she's the ingenue who will get the attention through the uh, nomination, and everybody thinks she's really quite the standout, and it makes people feel good to recognize somebody new who's, who's, who's got it. So, yeah, sure, But she's work. good. She's really good, she's good in the part. Yeah. Um, Jessica Chastain gave some great performances this year, too. I just don't know if I could see her cracking it, you know? But she's the person who's sort of popped out. It's been Jessica Chastain and everything. So why would they not want to sort of sanctify that that arrival thing that she has all over everything? Maybe, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if I could pick any movie she would get nominated for, it would be The Help. But they've already got... Yeah, it could be The Help, I suppose. Yeah. And she's beautiful. She's transcendent. She's uh, so angelic, and she's like the spiritual presence yeah. in a tree of life. Oh, she's great in tree of life. Yeah. yeah. I would have her be nominated for that over the help, but um, mm-hmm. she's great in both. So, yeah, you're right. I guess I'm over underestimating her. So, yeah, put her in there for sure. I felt that what she did in The Help was the most caricature-like and least in, least interesting. Uh, she's a um, kind of a... I guess she's a woman with a kind of a, a sexually indiscriminate uh, attitude, and um, and um, she's, you know, makes friends with um, with Olivia Octavia Spencer's character, and um, I, I just wasn't moved by it. You know, she's so much better in the Take Shelter. You know, for instance, she's really yeah. good in that. Um, right, right, right. That's another one that seems like it's going to have a hard time pushing in here at the last. I mean, I know so. you think that we're 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 we still have a long time to go, but we don't. I mean, it's mm-hmm. um, uh, pretty soon they're going to start in with the National Board of Review, and then all the Critics Awards, and you know the the bowl is rolling. So now's the yeah. time to get yourself in there as a contender. Right now is the time. Um, okay. All right. Uh, sorry to well, say, but but Take Shelter showed last January at Sundance. It's, it's not some new idea. Uh, people have been talking about Michael Shannon uh, delivering. You know, it's it's again, it's probably a Spirit Awards level thing, but it's it's really a it's one of the best things he's ever done, and it's and it's a lead. So mm. I, don't yeah. I don't I don't understand why it would be considered like oh by the way here's a new movie we want you to look at it's it's been around. I don't know. Doesn't it feel like it's sort of off the uh, the radar a little bit? A little bit, yeah, because it's smallish and it's uh, but it's a very very well done film. It really is, and it's uh, it's it works as a metaphor about kind of the sense that things are uh, coming to a kind of a, possibly a catastrophic head in, in our you know overall you know climate change you, you name it. It's it's really a pretty profound film. The more you think about it. Hmm. Oh, interesting. We'll have to check that out again. I missed a screening of it. Oh well. 
Well, everything's going to be screening uh, up and down and all around uh, uh, between now and December 1st, so it's going to be quite, a, quite an active time to be, so you'll have ample opportunity. Yeah, and I hope that pretty soon the screeners are going to start coming in, so that's good. I'll see everything if the publicists are kind enough to send me screeners, which I hope they right. do. <laughs> so. right. All right, cutie. Well, I guess that's it for today. Okay. So All right, this has been a lot, a lot of fun. This is our longest. This is one of the strongest things we've done, though. In a, in you think a while. so? I think it's, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I hope so. I think I came off as a little shrill, but <laughs> I don't know. No, you're fine. It was, I, it was, so. I, I was telling myself halfway through, this, this is a good one. This is a lot of uh, meat on its bones. So. Mm, okay. Uh, uh, just really quickly, are you, are you heading into the New York, New York Film Festival now? Is that what's happening? I, I've been going. I've been to two screenings, and I am going to be... Uh, Seeing uh, many films this coming week, including uh, Carnage, um, mm-hmm. on cool. on Tuesday, and um, pretty much every day is filled with uh, with screenings. And, great, uh, great, great, great. Then the I... actual festival begins on Friday night, and I'm still waiting to hear if I could please att- at least attend the after party. I don't need to see the film again, and I know the ch- tickets are hard to come by, so. <clears throat> but I was at least looking to go to the after party, so mm. we shall see. Well, great, great. Mm. All right, well, keep us informed. Okay. I can't wait to hear more about it, the festival. Okay. I hope it goes well. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So I'll, um, I'll, uh, we'll be talking next week, obviously. So. All right, sounds good. All right. I'll talk to my you be- soon. My best to Emma. Uh, yeah, okay, my best to Jet. Okay. <laughs> talk to you later. All right. Bye. You've been listening to episode 49 of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com, Phil Contrino from BoxOffice.com, and Sasha Stone from AwardsDaily.com. The bumper music was Hitching a Ride by Green Day and Even the Losers by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. You can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast, and we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.